Please open your Bibles now to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. If you're new to Manoa Community Church, let me introduce myself. My name's Stefan. I'm pastor here at the church. And so pleased that you came to worship with us today. And we are in a preaching series going verse by verse through Hebrews chapter 11. We've called the series Faith. And it's an important part of the book because the author of Hebrews is arguing to persevere in our faith. There's a group of Hebrew or Jewish Christians who are tempted to walk away from Jesus. So throughout the whole book, he is arguing for the supremacy of Christ. And then in chapter 11, he turns and starts going through all of the Old Testament, the old characters, the old covenant saints of old, and highlights their faith and how they walked by faith and how we can emulate their faith. And so... Today we're in part three of a mini-series in there on the life of Moses. And so we're looking at the life of Moses during the Passover. And so you saw earlier, if you're here two weeks ago, the birth of Moses and his parents and how they preserved him. So it was really their faith. Last week we looked at Moses at the age of 40, where he made a decision to leave Egypt, to leave wealth. He was a prince of Egypt, right? And to pursue the people of God and throw his loyalty with them. But in so doing, Pharaoh sought to kill him, so he fled to Midian, lived in the wilderness for 40 years. And then most of us know the story where Moses is called by God through a burning bush. Moses, Moses, right? Take off the sandals by which you are wearing for the ground that you are standing on is holy ground. And God speaks to him in this burning bush that does not get consumed to go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Well, here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28, We have a short one sentence, really one verse on the Passover, which is the context after these 10 plagues, the final judgment of God where the angel of death passes over the people of Israel because of the blood of the lamb that they put over the doorpost. And so this is the culmination of what we call the Exodus, where the slaves now get out of Egypt So we're going to look at part three. Next week, we're also going to look at the parting of the Red Sea. So these are like the highlights reel, if you will. And I've called today's sermon, The Faith That Delivers, because this is God's deliverance of his people. And say, what can we learn about the faith of Moses and his deliverance of the people of Israel? So I'm going to read verses one and two to set up the context as always, and then drop down to verses 27 and 28 to look at, but we'll preach just verse 28 today. Follow along. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Verse 27. By faith he, Moses, left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Verse 28. By faith, he kept the Passover. This is our key verse today. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, the blood of the lamb, so that the destroyer, that's the angel of death of the firstborn, might not touch them. Look again at verse 29 as well, and then we'll pray. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. The faith that delivers. Let's pray. Well, Father God, you are faithful. You are faithful yesterday, today, and forever. In Jesus Christ, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And Lord, as we look at your miraculous intervention in the lives of your people in ancient Israel, Lord, we look to you today to be our deliverer as well. And so God, as we remember this great historical event, that of the Passover, it also points us forward to our faith in Christ today and his blood for us. And so God, I pray as I preach your holy, sacred word, the spirit of God, that you would bring it alive in all of our hearts, that you would elicit the very faith that brings deliverance today. And Lord, that you would ground us in our faith to glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. October 19th, 1781, the Battle of Yorktown was won. Our colonies had gathered together to fight for their independence in what would ultimately now we know become a nation. The United States of America and the 50 states that we now enjoy were not a nation. They were a group of various colonies, colonialized, right? And uh, Britain had the crown and authority over us. And yet through our fights for independence, there were various battles fought. And ultimately, this final battle was the battle where George Washington, by securing the victory, won our freedom, won our deliverance, won our independence. There were 17 battles, by the way, that George Washington fought in. And because George Washington was one of the generals that led us in victory, he was also, he fought, by the way, for 40 years. Isn't that providential? Moses, by 40-year modules as well, 40 years to get out of Egypt, 40 years come back, and then 40 years in the wilderness. But for 40 years, he served in that capacity in what would become our nation. And so it made sense that after we had deliverance, that he would lead our nation. And he became the first president of the United States of America. Well, as we look at where we are in the faith that delivers and this point in Hebrews chapter 11, this has afforded us the opportunity to look back at church history, ancient church history, the history of Israel, our history though, right, as the people of God, and say, here we see a group of tribes, a family. They went into Israel as 70 people, right, multiplied. Now they're over probably 2 million people. That's a big family, right? And it is now evolving into a nation, but it does not have its independence. And what we see here through the life of Moses are these 10 battles, these 10 plagues, these 10 act of God where they fight for their freedom. Really, God fights on their behalf, but it's not until this final battle, this final plague, this final Passover that they have their freedom given to them. So that's why I've called today's sermon The Faith That Delivers because we see not only we as Americans but our church, there are these battles that were fought that were won for our freedom. And Moses ultimately becomes the first leader of the church, if you will, setting up the tabernacle, trying to figure out who's gonna be the priest. All of that happens under his administration. And so as I typically have three points, today's sermon does as well. If you're taking notes, you can write these down and we'll go through them slowly one after the other. The faith that delivers. The faith that delivers, first, it persistently believes. Secondly, it trusts in the blood. And thirdly, it multiplies exponentially. The faith that delivers, first, it persistently believes. Now we saw here 
in our verse in Hebrews chapter 11, the deliverance, the Passover, but I want to give you some context to these 10 plagues, and to do so, you'll see on the screen Exodus chapter 11, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt, and afterward he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. What is God saying to Moses and ultimately to the church? He's saying there's one more battle to be won. There's one more plague that is going to come, and after this, you will get out and be delivered completely. But they had to believe that and follow through with what God told them to do, and we're going to talk about it. It's pretty complicated, right? The other plagues happen unilaterally. They didn't have to do a thing. And I actually want to put up on the screen these 10 plagues for you. This is artwork by Aaron Schrade. He put this together out of his Logos Bible software. I grabbed this. You guys might remember this. The first one, Moses goes and the water turns to blood. What happens? Pharaoh hardens his heart. Secondly, there's frogs, hardens his heart. Gnats or lice, Pharaoh hardens his heart. Flies, Pharaoh hardens his heart. Disease of livestock, Pharaoh hardens his heart. Unhealable boils, Pharaoh hardens his heart. Hail and fire, hard heart. Locust, hard heart. Darkness, hard heart. Nine times. You have to remember, when Moses first went back, God told him to go back. I can't talk. He says, I can't speak. I'll send Aaron. We'll go. So he goes into Pharaoh the first time. He says, Pharaoh, Pharaoh says, Moses, what can I do for you? He says, God says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no, and no more straw for your bricks, right? <laughs> ah, all of a sudden, because they're building the construction projects, right, at this time. And so now they have to go find their own straw, but the quota has not been diminished. And the people are like, thanks, Moses, jerk. <laughs> Our lives are tough enough. And after these Nine plagues each time he goes and says, now let him go. He says, no. <laughs> no, 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 you can't go. Your kids can't go. Your wives can't go. Your livestock can't go. You're not getting out of here. No more. And so I see this first point, the faith that delivers persistently believes because this last plague, all of the other ones, Moses says, Darkness, boom, darkness. Gnats, gnats, boom. Frogs, frogs, boom. This one requires not only an act on Moses' part, but the entire church must step in. Because Moses doesn't just put blood over his doorpost and say, we're all covered, y'all. No, 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 there are two million people who have new instructions that they all have to follow. And by the way, all nine other times and the first time didn't work I mean, it worked, but it didn't work. You see what I'm saying? And this time, they're not only supposed to put blood over the doorpost, get their unleavened bread. They're ready at midnight to leave town. This time it's going to work. God says it's going to work this time. Get ready. You got to do all these things. You have to kill literally thousands of sheep. You got to get all these sheep together. You got to do all of this stuff. And you got to get ready to go from your home for 430 years you're leaving tonight, really quickly. It takes a lot of faith, doesn't it? 
especially after nine strikes where you thought it was going to happen and it didn't happen. So this 10th plague, we're so familiar with the story, but think of the faith that they needed to persevere in after the one, two, three strikes you're out. No, four, five, six. Can I get seven's the number of completion in the Bible? Maybe seven. Nope, eight. Nope, nine. Nope. Ten times the charm? I think. I think so. Maybe yes, maybe no. What would you do? Would you really pack all of your bags and get ready to go? That's exactly what they do. You know, and as I thought about this point, I just thought about when do you get tempted to throw in the towel? When are you tempted to give up on the promises of God? When are you tempted to walk away from the calling of God on your life? The faith that delivers is a faith that persists, a faith that perseveres, persistently believes, and obeys and follows God no matter the cost. Amen? We persist. If God says 11, we say, yes, sir. If he says 12, he says jump, we say, hi, right? We persist in our faith and we believe and we follow through no matter how many times we have to obey. We've got one more step of obedience left in us, amen? The faith that delivers persistently believes. And I don't know what you're walking through right now. You can guess some of the things I've been walking through, right? But where are you? What are the things in your life that you're going hard after for God? We persist in it. We keep going after it. We go hard. We persevere and we finish what God gives to us. And so whatever you're walking through right now for all of our lives, may we be a people who persist and persist and always believe God no matter what, no matter the cost. Amen? The faith that delivers persistently believes. Secondly, the faith that delivers trusts in the blood. The faith that delivers trusts in the blood. Let me reread verse 28 here. He says, by faith he, Moses, kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. What did he do? By faith he, Moses, kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer, the angel of death, of the firstborn might not touch them. Now you have to remember in Hebrews chapter 11, he's pointing back to Exodus, right? And this night that was read during our scripture reading where basically they're told, hey, at midnight, this is going down. This is the final play. Get ready, pack your bags, let's go. And as I've already alluded to, there's over 2 million of them at this point, all right? Because we find out later that over 600,000 men left, right? And not in counting the women and children, so double that, 1.2 million, add a bunch of babies, you're up to about 2 million people, right? This is a lot of people, right? And what does he tell them to do? He says, tonight, the angel of death, the destroyer is going to come and take down the firstborn son of every family and livestock as well. Egyptian, Hebrew, across the board, this is happening tonight. They will die Unless, unless you sacrifice a pure, undefiled, perfect lamb and you take his blood and you put it over the doorpost of your house 
and along the sides of the doorposts. When that angel of death comes to your house and he sees the blood of the lamb, he will pass over your house. He will not touch you. He will not harm you. You will be spared. And in this imagery of the Passover, that's where we get the language of Passover, right? The angel of death, the destroyer, passes over both God's judgment passes over, right? His judgment, his wrath, his anger against sinners, it passes over the sinful house and over sinners, but also his mercy passes over us and we are protected. And so the Passover now becomes a forever memorial in the church of God's judgment and mercy, all covered by the blood of the lamb, amen? The blood of the lamb causes the Passover of God's judgment and his mercy passes over us. And that very same night, consider this, they're not only getting thousands of sheep. I, I don't think they needed two million sheep. They probably shared some of the blood, right? But still, yuck, right? Like, they're shepherds, by the way. They're out in Goshen probably still. So they got sheep. They, they can get this done. It's plausible. But still, it's a ton of work. They're doing it, getting ready for midnight. And they have all the instructions for how to reset the Jewish calendar, on this very day, and make this unleavened bread because you're gonna have to leave tonight really fast, so get your bread ready, but there won't be any yeast. And by the way, we reset the Jewish calendar and this is an annual festival for you. It's all in Exodus. It's like this. Before the battle, what was the battle called again? The Battle of Yorkstown. You know, we call in George Washington to say, and this is how you're gonna celebrate the 4th of July in America for the rest of your lives. We haven't even fought the battle yet. Yeah, 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 but you're going to win the battle. And when you do, and when you declare your independence, this is what you'll do when there'll be fireworks and all these things. It's always going to be on the 4th of July, and don't ever forget it, and everyone's not going to go to work because they're all going to go out and watch. You know, like all of the instructions for the holiday are already baked in. That is how, how confident they are that this is going to work. And so they pack their bags, they kill thousands of lambs, they put the blood over the doorpost, and that very night... Exactly like God said. Their children are spared and there is a cry in the land. Could you imagine all the children that died that night? Pharaoh himself, the howling and the wailing and the sorrow and sadness. And finally, Pharaoh says, get out of here! And they go. They go. By the way, next week, spoiler alert. He has remorse. Wait a second. He goes after them. But at this point, his hard, crusty heart finally says, go, you can leave. You're not my slaves anymore. Go worship the Lord your God out in the wilderness. The blood of the lamb covers them and delivers them. Listen to this quote by John Chrysostom as it relates to Jesus Christ. He says, if the blood of a lamb then preserved the Jews unhurt in the midst of the Egyptians and in the presence of so great a destruction, much more will the blood of Christ save us for whom it has been sprinkled, not on our doorposts, but in our souls. For even now the destroyer is still moving around in the depth of night. But let us be armed with Christ's sacrifice since God has brought us out from Egypt from darkness, and from idolatry. Amen? He's saying, if the blood of the Lamb does this for the Israelites, how much more so the blood of Christ? Amen? 
Because listen to this, if you're new to the faith, when Jesus showed up, John the Baptist saw him afar and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus Christ at the Last Supper was a Passover Seder. The Jewish Passover was being celebrated. And as they ate that lamb and remembered God's deliverance, he added two more elements, two more elements to the sacrament. Do you know what they are? The bread representing his broken body and the cup representing the blood of the lamb. And then Jesus was crucified and sacrificed over the Passover as his blood spilled down on that cross so that when we sing and celebrate and say Christians are covered in the blood of the lamb, I know it sounds gross, right? Ew. But it's amazing. The truth of God foreshadowed in this Passover event, pointing us forward to Jesus because ultimately the angel of death passed over the Israelites, not because of those sheep, but because of Jesus Christ. The blood of the lamb covered them just like the blood of the lamb covers us. In the book of Revelation, we see a picture of Jesus. They say, who is worthy to open the scroll of God and to see God's plans fulfilled in the earth? And I looked and behold, the conquering lion of the tribe of Judah. And John turns and he sees a lamb. Not a lion. He sees a lamb as though it had been slain. Behold the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, sacrificed, crucified for your sins, that through faith in Jesus, you would be delivered. Because repentance is essential, right? We need to turn from sin. We need to turn from darkness. We need to turn from the world. We need to leave Egypt. Repentance is essential, but it is not sufficient, if you just feel bad about your sin and say, I'm going to stop doing it, you need to turn from that and turn to Jesus Christ and his blood. That is where forgiveness is found. Amen? Remorse does not forgive sins. Jesus' blood forgives your sins. The cross of Christ forgives your sins. We sing it, nothing but the blood, written by Robert Lowry in 1876. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can erase my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of works, tis all of grace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. Do you believe it, church? That makes me white as snow. No other fount. I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Have you come to Jesus? Turn to Jesus. God's judgment passes over you and his mercy rests upon you. The same faith that delivered Moses, the same faith that delivered his Old Testament church is the same faith that will deliver you today through the blood of the lamb, amen? The faith that delivers not only persistently believes, but trusts in the blood. Thirdly and finally, the faith that delivers persistently believes, trusts in the blood, but multiplies exponentially. The faith that delivers 
multiplies exponentially. I want to reread verse 28, but tack on next week's verse, verse 29. Not that I will preach it, but I want to show you something that happens between verse 28 and 29 in Hebrews 11 and his argument. Follow along. By faith, he kept the Passover. Who's the he? Moses kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. Wait, wait, wait. Might not touch Moses' family. Nope, might not touch them. Circle the word them. Now look at the transition, verse 29. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Circle the phrase there, by faith, the people. Look at there, by faith, look at verse 30. The walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Here's what's going on. You ready? If you've been with us for a few months, you know this, right? The author of Hebrews, up to this point, has looked at individuals' faith. He's looked at Abraham's faith. He's looked at Noah's faith. He's looked at individuals' faith. But all of a sudden, he takes a little parenthetical detour briefly, and then goes back to individuals. He goes from Moses to the people. Look at your Bible again. He goes from Moses to the people, and then next week is actually not just about Moses' faith. It's about the faith of the entire church, the Old Testament people of God. It's all of their faith together. He says, by faith, Moses observed the Passover so that they would not perish, right? That they would observe the Passover, that they would be saved, that the angel of death would not destroy them. And here's what I want you to see. The faith that delivers not only saves itself, but it multiplies. It multiplies into the lives of other people because of Moses' persistent faith. Because he persevered, it spread like wildfire throughout the camp. I've already said that the people of God have gone from 70 people to 2 million people. That's a lot of people. Would you agree? It's going to require a lot of faith. It's going to require a lot of sheep. But it's going to require a lot of activities because Moses didn't go to all of their houses and be like, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. He told them all what to do and they said, Sounds bananas, Moses, but if that's what God said, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll pack our bags. We'll make the bread. We are all in. And his faith multiplies not only to hundreds, not only to thousands, but to millions of people who saw his faith spread across the entire camp. All of a sudden, all of them believe and all of them are delivered. And I use the language of exponential because for my youth, I'm going to be with you tonight. Do you guys remember what exponents are, right? I remembered this, so I got to go into the advanced math. So here's a tutor for you, right? 10 to the 7th power is not 70. It's 10 times 10 times 10 times 10 times 10, right? When you go to the 7th power, you get 10 million. That's sufficient to cover the two million and today there's nearly 8 billion people in the world many of them without faith in Jesus 
And I look at that, maybe you look at that and you look at the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations and you say, it's impossible. How are we going to do this? 10 to the 7th, just add one more number. And you are 10 to the 8th, and you are at 10 billion, and it is done, right? That's all that it takes is one little digit, one little step of faith, and all of a sudden, Moses goes from one person being saved to two million people being saved. And I'll tell you what, Jesus had 12 people down to 11, right, in the upper room. And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the whole Roman Empire was turned upside down. Turned upside down. The whole world has heard of Jesus, but we have to get it done. I'll tell you what, if 12 people could turn the whole world upside down, look around the room. What could happen in Havertown? What could happen in Delaware County? What could happen in greater Philadelphia? What could happen to the very ends of the earth if you would persist in your faith? If you would hear from God and persevere in it, if you would take the little flickering light and say, it's not just for me, it's for everybody that I touch, there would be fire in Havertown, amen? By the grace of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe it? This week, one of the pastors of the Delaware County Pastors Network texted me when I was pretty discouraged. I got this text saying, Stefan, I just trained my whole church in the three circles. And we're gonna put it into our membership class. We're gonna teach everybody in our church how to share the gospel. He said, I'm laying down my bridge illustration for the three circles. If you knew we use three circles here. I, I trained the pastors. I said, yes, that is what this is about. Seeing the church turn from inward, navel gazing. Are we going to survive to looking out to the harvest with the eyes of Jesus and saying, the fields are white for harvest. And if you have faith, you can move mountains. Do you believe it? If you have faith, disciples will make disciples. Churches will plant churches. And this place will be saturated with the glory of Christ. And church, lean in because revival is starting. Have you heard of it? It's starting in the college campuses. It's starting and it's spreading. Do not be the wet blanket. Do not be the wet blanket. We lean in and we fan the flame of God with faith. And we say, God, may my faith persevere and persist. I believe you. Number 10, number 11, number 12. And I will spread this faith to the very ends of the earth. Amen. For the glory of God.